This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Nazim Hussain and I'm taking over from Jan Fran as the new host of The Pineapple Project, the podcast that helps make life that little bit sweeter. I'm a comedian and you might have seen me on TV, maybe you've heard one of my podcasts, maybe you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or maybe you follow me in real life if you work for ASIO. But before comedy, I actually worked full-time at an accountancy firm. I used to advise people about their money. Yep, true story. But the thing is, I'm actually horrible with money. I've never been good at it. Not anymore. This podcast is about to change my life and yours. Let's get rich. Nope, not by getting lucky at a casino. Nope, not by winning the lottery. And no, we're not robbing a bank for now. This season, we're going to make you richer. You won't earn more money, but you will end up with more money each month by spending less wildly on stuff that really doesn't add much to our lives. Do you have a banking app on your phone? If so, get it out now. Pause your show for a minute and have a look at what money is going out of your account. All right, what have I got here? Hmm. $23.85, what was that for? Oh, yeah, red velvet cupcakes. You know, they tasted pretty good. It's only four. Um, $27. Yep, took myself out for breakfast. $299. Oh, yeah, that's right. I bought a leaf blower. What? I, I don't regret that at all. It saves me like three minutes cleaning the trampoline every day. <sighs> that was uncomfortable. Do you ever find yourself waiting for payday just because you're almost out of money? If so, join the club. Almost half of Australian households have less than 10 grand in savings, which means we don't have the ability to step back and think, how do we really want to live? Look, I get that we all have very different circumstances and some people can be very, very careful with their money and still not earn enough money to save. Australia is an expensive place for sure. Having said that, this podcast aims to help everybody. This season on The Pineapple Project, we're going to learn how to be more frugal. Hang on, what? Frugal? What's frugal? Frugal as in like being a tight ass? Oh, oh, you mean like going to the pub and leaving before it's your shower? Oh. Frugal like knitting your own underwear, yeah? Oh. Ah, right, okay. So being frugal isn't about being a tight ass. It's actually about spending more wisely and learning that you don't always need to have the newest things to be happy. And we've all been guilty of doing that before. I learned the hard way to, like, budget and um, live my life a lot more frugally, but I'm still paying for my 20s in a way. I think sometimes people think having a high income gives a lot of freedom, but I think if you associate that with more expenses as well, it can become a bit of a trap. I have a PhD in economics, right? So so what hope do the humans have if robots like me can't make decisions in these situations, right? I definitely shop as a way of a bit of self-care, something that I go to if I'm feeling a bit stressed or overwhelmed as like a reward. A reward? Yeah. So like if you've, you've done a good day of life? <laughs> At the time I was dating my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and, you know, a young impressionable man was like, yeah, She'll be impressed by a car. <laughs> was she? No, far from it. <laughs> Who was impressed by the car? No one was impressed by the car. That's right. You also don't need to buy new stuff to get people to like you. 
In this season of The Pineapple Project, we'll be looking into the things that we spend a big chunk of our money on. Like clothes, eating out and food, staying fit, buying and running a car, pets, smartphones and travel. But before we start, we need to take a good hard look at our approach to spending, saving and wasting money. Melissa Brown is an accountant, but one who's into financial wellness, whatever that means. And she's written a global best-selling book called, this is what it's called, Unf*** Your Finances. My thing is, you can have it all, you just can't have it all at once. And I think the problem is with comparison culture, you know, we're keeping up with the Joneses, not just in our street or in amongst our peers, but with strangers on the internet who are being gifted what they are showcasing. Their life's not even real. How do you get around that? You just got to sort of just identify that behaviour in yourself? Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's asking the question, why are you spending? Why are you behaving financially the way you are? What's the story behind that? But it's also understanding that these things exist to cause us to spend more money. The idea of saving and being thrifty and responsible with your money does seem like a bit of work, mm. can feel a little boring mm. and, you know, get in the way of fun. I get that. It depends how you look at it because I look at that and say, yes, but if I'm still enjoying today, but if I'm actually setting myself up in future so that I have choice and options around do I want to work or not, do I want to take a sabbatical, do I want to start a business, uh, do I want to have kids, like if I have choice, that is far, like that's a super sexy concept, the idea that I have freedom. So true. So that's worth being a little bit restrictive now. But you've got it. It's freedom for you because what freedom and choice looks like for me looks very different to what it looks like for you. So it's figuring that out first. Some people, how do I phrase this question? Um, you know, the idea that you can't take money with you to the grave, you know, so why save Yeah. and when you should just spend, if there's something you want to do, just do it because you could, we could just be gone. So like, is that? Totally get that. Especially when you're out with friends sometimes and they're like, come on, man, just... Don't be a tight ass. <laughs> so that's that whole what sort of life do you want to design? I want my future self to enjoy life as much as I'm enjoying it today. Mm. So for me, it's about designing a life that isn't a life by default. You know, it's not the it's not a typical life that maybe everyone else wants. Instead, it's well, what's important to me? Um, and then financially, what does that look like? And that freedom and choice, you spend it on stuff to treat yourself. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is your philosophy around buying stuff for yourself or treating yourself or splurging? I will absolutely reward myself with, and it's with a known thing, a dinner or a bottle of champagne or a pair of shoes or what have you. Um, but I think too many of us treat ourselves like dogs and we reward ourselves for getting through Tuesday. <laughs> uh, so we need to instead figure out, okay, what can we reward ourselves that isn't financial? Or let's put a dollar limit on the rewards and the amount of time that you'll do it. So you might say, okay, every month, if I do this thing, I will allow myself to have X, which is 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. And I'm going to do that guilt-free. Like be really clear about the parameters you set. Right. Because at primary school, I remember that the teachers to do that. Like you have the, the name on the board, tick thing. And then there was like a prize that you could sometimes see just sitting there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, we, we grow up and we don't, 
We don't give ourselves specific rewards. We don't, yeah. you know. But I'm a fan. Some people are really motivated by rewards. So if you are, how you can help yourself get out of debt or start that savings plan is to say, right, so I want to save 10 grand in the next six months or the next year, but anything I spend, I can make above that, I can just have guilt-free. So I'm a fan of rewarding by setting yourself financial challenges or gamifying it so that you can actually get there faster. Mm. Okay. I like gamifying life. Mm. That's it makes it so much more fun. Yeah. Hey, so before I let you go, are you free to set up my entire life? <laughs> because seriously, no. I think we all need you in our lives. <laughs> no, but look, what you can do is this is all so doable that it's figuring out how do I think about money, figure out where I want to go, what does that mean for the short term, and then setting up a money environment that that serves as a riptide and pulls you along to where you want to go rather than you having to exert energy to do it. But why do we buy what we buy? Someone who thinks about this a lot is Dr. Paul Harrison. He's a consumer psychology expert at Deakin Business School and he says your home is a good example. When we splash out on an expensive new lounge or a kitchen renovation or a matching bedroom set for the new baby, what's it really all about? They're a way of communicating to others, this is who I am, and sitting underneath all of this is please like me. Mm. Please think that I'm a good person worth worth your likingness. Has social media made this worse? Like, you know, everyone's sort of sharing the best images of their homes or, like, companies are doing that. It Most definitely, yeah. And, and especially when you kind of see, you know, influences and things like that, you actually see that they're living the best life. Why aren't I living the best life? I think even those television programs that are constantly doing renovations, it creates this need for people to go, oh, I'm not renovating. These people who who are a little bit like me and I aspire to be like them, they're renovating, so maybe I need to renovate. The thing that people don't fully get about marketing and, you know, I guess contemporary capitalist life is that sitting underneath it all is to make you feel uncomfortable with your current state of being. Mm -hmm. What this does and what most marketing does is it says, okay, you may not have thought that you need this thing in your house, but by us identifying this thing in in the people that you aspire to be in their house, you're missing out, and it causes a degree of you know pain, and it could and some in some studies it actually shows up as physical pain. Really? Oh yeah. Like so, FOMO can register as actual physical actual pain. pain. And it's you know this is when you stick people in fMRI machines, it shows up in the same kind of movement of oxygen and and everything through the blood as actual physical pain. So people feel pain when they don't feel like they fit in or something like that. And I think one of the really interesting things that research has found um, over the last couple of years, fairly recently, is that the actual build-up to the purchase of an item actually kind of keeps you kind of excited getting to it. But most people feel a bit of a letdown when they get home and they put it in their dirty house with, you know, the jocks lying around or something like that. And the whole point of marketing is to keep you on this, basically this hamster wheel, this constant cycle of feeling uncomfortable with your current state of being so that you can basically keep buying things. A better life. But what does that really look like for you? The way most of us live our lives goes something like this. We wake up, work our asses off, sometimes in jobs that don't make us happy, just so we can make money to buy things we hope will make us happy. Then we go to sleep. So what would life look like if you decided to break free of that cycle? Well, 
I've got a friend called Dave Gow. He lives in WA and he's done just that. Dave's in his early 30s and he basically doesn't need to work anymore. He mostly does stuff he enjoys. He writes, makes a podcast called Strong Money Australia, rides his bike. He just doesn't spend very much money. And he started out on pretty much the average Australian wage. So we're not talking about this trust fund rich kid. So what made Dave take stock of his life and become free? Yeah, for me, it was really about wanting to have more freedom and control over how I spent my time because I was looking at my future and thinking I don't want to be 50, 60, working full-time week after week doing the same thing and not really having any any choices in life. And so I figured out how to save more than I was before and invest and then, yeah, I kind of went from there. But you actually have a decent life. Like you're not like sitting at home with no furniture, turning off the lights, sitting in the dark, trying to save money like excessively. Do you do you still enjoy life? Do you buy new clothes and have fun? Yeah, of course I enjoy life. I mean, it's not. What's the point of it if we're not living in a cardboard box behind the highway or something like that? You know, we're still living in a nice house in a nice suburb, and you know, we go and meet our friends when we want to meet them, and we do whatever we like. You've managed to get to the point where you're saving about seventy percent of your income. How did you rethink your life to to even make this possible? Uh, well, when there was there was two of us working full times so that, and we we're both earning about average Aussie wages, which is actually very healthy. So that's a lot of income coming in, and we just stopped our spending from blowing out. Really, it wasn't consciously about okay, let's just spend no money. It was like, well, let's just not avoid that lifestyle creep of when your income goes up and you you have the habit of spending more um, just because you have more. You know what I mean? We're doing the same thing over and over again. And if, if we're honest and we look at the things we've bought and spent on maybe over the last five years, a lot of it probably didn't add that much value to our lives. And we quickly become kind of bored of what we've just bought or we're always looking for something new to kind of get excited about. How was your partner when you first got together um, about your, you know, your frugal ways? Was she, was she on board with, the, with your saving and spending habits? She she wasn't quite on board. She definitely wasn't as passionate about it as I was because she'd just gotten out of a relationship where her last partner was into saving too. And she's like, oh, no, not this again. (laughs) (laughs) So how'd you you convince her? I, I kind of showed her, look, you know, we can spend on this and this, but if we also are a bit better in all these other areas, then, you know. And I guess I painted this picture of, a future with lots of free time and all the rest of it. And she, she bought into that, which was good. So it does help if your partner or your friends can come along for the frugal ride in spending less and still doing the things you love. In season three of The Pineapple Project, Claire Hooper showed you how to tidy up your life and get rid of all that stuff that no longer makes you happy. But what if we never bought that stuff in the first place? We'd be richer and feel way less guilty. So in a way, this is the podcast you need to stop buying that stuff in the first place. Claire also did an awesome job in the first series of The Pineapple Project, helping you tame your credit card debt, buy a house, sort out your super, and generally just get your financial house in order. This series, Frugal by The Pineapple Project, is a sequel to that. We'll be taking a look at eight areas of your life where you're probably spending too much so that we can make you a little bit richer. And guess what we're starting with? 
What are you listening to The Pineapple Project on right now? Your smartphone. Yep, we're starting there. So join me, Nazim Hussain, as we get a little bit more frugal, but still buy our mates a coffee on The Pineapple Project. Hi, it's Elizabeth Coolass here. If you're looking for another ABC podcast filled with fantastic true stories, I'd love it if you'd try listening to mine. It's called Days Like These. You will find laughs, you will find danger, heartbreak, triumph, love, all the good stuff. These are real Australian stories and everyone comes with a little twist. Just search for Days Like These in your favourite podcast app.